Now extended through January 14th, join a clean and spacious Planet Fitness for zero enrollment and only $10 a month. With tons of equipment and free fitness training, it's the perfect place for everybody to work out. Even me, mister, I'm so stressed I grind my teeth more than most people grind coffee. Especially you. Give your anxiety-clenched jaw a rest. My molars will be so happy. Start feeling spectacular today. Join in-club or at planetfitness.com. Zero enrollment, $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends January 14th. See club for details. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by my brother, Kelvin Cox. If you too want to sponsor the podcast, go on patreon.com slash the Delvin Cox Experience. That's patreon.com slash the Delvin Cox Experience. There's free shows. There's plenty of content on there you can check out. Just go in there and check it out. It all starts at just a dollar. Peace. Welcome to the experience. Welcome to the experience. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Delvin experience. Cox Experience, the podcast, which each week I am on a one-man mission to unite our culture through diversity. I'm your host, Delvin Cox. I have a special guest on the podcast with me today. Somebody who should have been on this podcast a long time ago. Let him know who you are, brother. Hey, welcome to the J-Man Show. I'm J-Man, of course. Guest starring on the Delvin Cox Experience from J360 Productions. See, I got you, brother. That was a great intro. I got to give it to you. Hey, let the people know. I like it. (laughs) I like it. Okay. As always, we'd like to start the podcast off with the five for five. Five questions, five answers to get the ball rolling. J-Man, are you ready? Hey, hit me. Question number one. Sprite or seven up? Seven up. Oh, okay. Interesting answer. I like hey. that. Though. Love seven up, dude. Question number two. Nikes or Reeboks? Got to go with the box, man. Rebox. I agree with you on that. I like Rebox a lot. Question number three. This is everybody's favorite one. What is the dumbest thing you've done as a kid? Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Don't say that. Yeah. Don't get you arrested. <laughs> uh, uh, hey, 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 I'm trying to go with what I could go with. Um, damn. See, I, I was never really dumb, but I did do some crazy shit. <laughs> oh man I, mm, mm. oh god I, I, I don't know I really can't come up with anything for that one wow I, I guess I guess trying to nah 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 can't think of one. <laughs> oh, wait 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 yeah when I chose the N64 over the Playstation 1 my damn yeah that's a that's a dumb move I go like well the N64 was good for wrestling games. It was, but you see, the thing is, Final Fantasy VII over there, Tomb Raider, like it, 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 many, many Street Fighter games that never came to... N64, a lot yes. of Yes, I was like, oh, I missed so much, dude. I was I, I was ashamed of myself. But yeah, I had Dreamcast, solid. though, later. Dreamcast was good. I, I like Dreamcast. Dreamcast one of those gems that not a lot of people... I think a lot of people appreciate it now. Yeah. But that wasn't always the case. Yeah, Dreamcast mm-hmm. was fine. Question number four. If you could pick any celebrity to produce content with, who would that celebrity be? 
Oh my! It, it, it don't matter about gender, right? Just just any of them. Of course, you can pick whoever you want to pick. <laughs> no, that's a trick question. Let me let me. Oh my it's god! It's not gonna be like no girls ill. <laughs> I can't live in a world with no girls ill. Uh-oh. Exactly. Uh oh. Exactly. Damn. Mm, mm. To be perfectly honest with you, oh. God. I mean, Scarlett Johansson is married now, but I would definitely produce content with her. Who cares if she's married? I didn't have to do anything with her. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying, <laughs> I would. Shoot. That ring don't mean a damn thing to me. That's true. You know what? Fuck the ring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scar Joe, man. I got to. I got to. Okay, okay, okay. Question number five. Zombie apocalypse happens Walking Dead style. You can only take five things with you to go out in the world to survive. What are the five things you're taking? And family and pets do not count because they're automatically assumed to go with you. Yeah, but they'll, all, they'll also hold me back in case the motherfucker. <laughs> well, well, then you can leave them there. <laughs> they, they, they will find their way. God darn it. Yeah. I mean, you gotta understand. My family and I, we're we're we're, we're much like the Saiyans. Oh yeah, we related. Let's fight. <laughs> <laughs> um, shoot, five things to take with me, right? Yes. Okay, well, there ain't no electricity, so that's half the stuff. Yes. I will you need what uh, now? All right, all right, I know I got to go ahead. I got to have peanut butter and jelly on hand, bro. Okay, I gotta have food, and then you see like bottles of water. And let's see, three bottles of water to start with. No, that's five things now. Wait a minute. You, the, you can take a case of water. Now, I would count that as one item. Okay, okay. A case of water. Okay. Uh, thing is, though, you can use leaves to wipe your butt. So any of y'all were complaining during the pandemic, you didn't, you know, do the Bear Grylls thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'll be all right with that. And then, uh, let's see. Got my got my gun. Shotgun, that is. 20 gauge. At least, like, like let's see. Eight to ten rounds, maybe. Yeah, ten rounds to get going. And then, of course, uh, of course, I'm going to need a blade. Okay. So I'll take my katana with me. Okay. And then my car. Well, your, car your car's included, so I'll give you one more. I'm not going to let you not take the car. I mean, you know, there ain't no take public transportation at this point. <laughs> yeah. You can take one more thing. Like I said, the car is automatically because you're going to... I'm assuming you're putting all the stuff in the car. You, you, you got to get away. Um... <laughs> God, I, I, oh yeah, and I got to sleep, so sleeping bag. Okay. Those are solid answers. Those are solid answers. Because you got to think about survival, man. You know, you hope that you can get where you need to be, but if you arrive to a place that's like tennis, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. So how's it going, man? Let everybody know a little bit about yourself for those who don't know you. Who, the, who don't know me nowadays? That, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what? To be perfectly honest, I am trying to extend that reach. I am a filmmaker, podcaster, entrepreneur, producer, all the above, if you will. Oh, and also a content creator and writer. And then I uh, operate out of Delaware, but I'm looking to go westward in late 2021. And I'm also um, working on some new things. And my life's work is J360 Productions. And I also host like six different shows. Never asked me to be in none of his movies or nothing. Just, just saying, Mr. not Mr. an extra. I, I'm not having the LL Cool J part like in Crush Groove. Carrying oh, you know back. what, man? You are gonna hit somebody with that, right? <laughs> Why you gotta take the groove out on somebody for? That is messed up, man. Everybody was in that movie back everybody. in the 80s and 90s. 
mean, of course I would have a spot for you, man, and everybody else to help me along the way. Come on now. I'm re I'm restructuring that side of the company too. So yeah, it's it's, it's a done deal. So, I just can't have let me ask you. I just can't have y'all be popping in and saying, yeah, this is me. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this. How did you start up? Let's hear your store, your startup store. How did you get interested in doing all these type of things that you're doing right now? Because I think it's cool. Well, let's see. I, I had a love for it way, way back in like high school level. But the thing is, I really wanted to follow through on it throughout college. Like college really got me going because I was like, you know what? I want to be the guy who can actually create the new entertainment to be like, you know, similar to Tyler Perry in some ways. But I figured, you know, let me go ahead and do my own thing. Let me create some new stuff. I had a love for radio and I had a love for video tech and I just wanted to follow it through, man. I have a question. Hmm. One of my friends who's a frequent collaborator on this podcast. Yeah. Also a movie producer, director, filmmaker. Uh, yeah, I call him filmmaker. And he, one of the things he always asks is, what type of camera are you using? What type of camera am I using? Yeah, what type well, of earlier, camera? You, what are you using to make your movies and your stuff like that? That's the type of thing he, he always wants to know. First thing he asks. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Well, right now I'm using a I'm using a Nikon uh, D5600 to go ahead and get some stuff going. And in college, I was using a Panasonic HVC. So let me ask you this, because filmmaking is a very expensive thing to get into. So how did you oh, even, yeah. how did you even get the idea to do this? How, what made you want to do it? And who are some directors that kind of inspired you? Let's see, uh, directors that inspire me. You could say um, Spike Lee, John Singleton, and um, Martin Scorsese when he's not on the coke. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, M. Night Shyamalan when he's not being predictable. And then um, also I could say Stanley Kubrick because while his movies were very long, that suspense factor was similar to Hitchcock. It just kept you soaked in. You, you had to see how things ended with him. So I had th those are my top five. And then, of course, you know, like uh, what really got me into it was, like I said, experimenting in video technology, like throughout every single class that I had. Like I had a video tech class back in um, high school that I volunteered to be a part of. And I just love the way things work. And then I got more exposed to it when I went on those college trips and stuff. And I always wrote stories growing up, too. And I was like, let me just make them into something. I just always love movies. And let me ask you this, because I think this is very important. How important do you think it is to be, and how difficult it is for that man to be a, a black filmmaker or a black creative? Because that's like I said, like I mentioned earlier, my friend who makes films and stuff, named Tony Aaron II and Chris Carter, and they they're filmmakers. They make movies, mm -hmm. and they always promote black excellence and black culture. So I want to ask you how important you think that is to you and into your filmmaking. Do you kind of try to preach that into your filmmaking? Are you looking to hire specifically black people in your roles and things like that? How do you go about this process? I know you're still early, in the early stages of everything, but I want to know a little bit about your process. Uh, my process, my main goal is to grow and be inclusive to everybody, to bring everybody in and give everybody a chance to start out. None of that whole gatekeeping crap, just to really get everybody together, especially minorities. Like we, you know, we've always been there. We've always been holding it down. People have, you know, they claim that they don't need us in some ways, but they do. They do. Yes, very much and so. we care. And we carry the film. Let's just be honest. We yeah. do. 
So, and then don't you get tired of seeing the same five people and stuff and they always doing this and you're like, oh, they improved or they not improved all that. No, you want to see more people. Everybody's screaming for variety. So let's give them that variety. I like that answer. I like that answer a lot. Let me ask you about any projects that you have so far that we can talk about off bat. Like, matter of fact, let me ask you about your first project. What is the first thing you've ever started working on when it comes to filmmaking? The first thing I started working on when it came to filmmaking, well, we did a bunch of shorts back in the day. And they're kind of meh, meh, no matter how you feel about it. Because when you start out, you're going to make crazy work. But um, the one that I started out with, it was called Trash Day. And I played a, I played a cannibalistic hobo. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, I was, I was, I don't know whether I was digging in, like, a homeboy's, um, homeboy's trash as the, as the hobo. But, you know, my good friend Mondo, who's VP of J360 Productions, played as the uh, the homeowner. So one way or another, had to chase me off of the, <laughs> out of there, you know, out of there. It was a comical bit. Silent comedy, if you will. And then the other one was called A True Friend, where it dealt with the idea of friendship, whether, you know, how strong is a friendship when, like, something, you know, unseedy happens. Like, say, like, if your lady is sleeping with your best friend and all that kind of stuff. That was um, an open-ended kind of video that we were dealing with, like, if anything, it was like an experiment. Like, you know, are you still friends with that person if they tell you something? You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it went into that sort of scenario. And the third thing I did was a documentary on unemployment. Like whether things were really changing or are we still just in trouble? And by the looks of things, I'm going to need to make a sequel to that one. Yeah, I was going to ask about that one because that one sounds fascinating. And that's an interesting concept. Where did you come up with that idea? Hey, how do you even go about the process of like, let me make a documentary on unemployment. How did you even come up with that idea? Well, okay, see, unemployment is just always a significant problem. Like one way or another, they'll tell you that it's low, but then you realize that it's not low. And then there are moments where it's like, do you have enough? Are you qualified for certain jobs you look into? Or are you overqualified, which they'll throw on you? Or are you too old for a job? Stuff like that. You know what I mean? And I just really got annoyed by like gatekeeping like that. Like, we all want, you know, you, the goal is to have everybody to make it. The goal is to have everybody to go ahead and make a livable income and support their families and all, you know? And then I always wonder, well, what is the real problem? What is holding everybody back? Like, what is the one thing that these so-called big firms use to try to, hold, you know, try to hold us from doing what we need to do? And I always try to find out what the real problem is. But you see, the closer I try to get to the real problem, the more minor problems pop up you know what i'm saying yeah and it kind of holds things back and i was like we need to get to the bottom of this because that is usually the main crux of things like homelessness and all that stuff that stuff developed because people couldn't find a job in some cases so what's the process to make a film a short film of, of something like that what research do you go about doing to make this happen Oh, the process I go through? Oh, you want to know some secrets, huh? Oh, That's yeah, what definitely. you want to do. Oh, you want to <laughs> dig. <laughs> give, me the, give me a little bit of the Colonel's secret recipe. Oh, hell no. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Well, you see, when it comes to doing documentaries or any of these um, stories that I tell you about, you want to, for stories, you look in like folklore, like stories that, you know, shape us as a culture, as I did on the J-Man show a few times. But you also want to look at like when it's something that really hits, you want to look at like newspapers, but you also want to go a little deeper and see how, like how history starts. Cause I was a history buff throughout all of my time and, you know, academic background. 
So you always want to take a look at like where things are, how we've changed, what started in the past. Are we making a better future? And I always take notes of things. I always have like journals, man. If you see my collection of journals, that lets you know. Because <laughs> sometimes the most dangerous thing in my hand is not a camera. It's a pen. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> I and like I would just have that stuff laid out, dude. Because you got to think like a journalist sometimes. And I'm not talking about celebrity journalists and all those other things out there. I mean, like a real journalist. I get that. I get that. So let's talk a little bit about your podcast. What's your podcast about for those who don't know? Which one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's, let's go to the main one first. I was going to say. Oh, okay. Well. The J-Man Show, man. That is my main one right there. Originally, that was going to be all about filmmaking and what I go through, like the process, all that. But then I was like, you know, let me talk about real world issues. Let me talk about other things that go on and, you know, also provide some entertainment for people with some satire. One way or another, I will be that one of those top filmmakers, just like Robert Townsend and all. But I go through a lot of hell to do so. And this is pretty much me going ahead and presenting that all out there to you. In addition to making fun of uh, certain things. All right. Stop right there. Cause you mentioned a name that I haven't heard in a long time. That doesn't get enough appreciation and profit. What, Robert Townsend. Oh yes. I love Robert Townsend films. I feel like he's one of the best black filmmakers ever. And hell yeah. We don't talk enough about how great he really is. Oh man, dude. He opened the door with Hollywood shuffle. And yes. then his partners in crime show and like, you know, all those black actors he had right there. Like that was pretty much like our Saturday night live a little bit. If you think about it, that and deaf, deaf comedy jam. I mean, think Pretty about much it. so. Yeah. You I, know? What made you lean towards Robert Townsend in terms of like his art and his Christian, like Hollywood shuffle is a big one. I feel mm -hmm. like, what is it? Media man was one. Hell yeah, that was another was, good one. I, I feel like he was the first black movie superhero. You know, in a way, he kind of was. I mean, like, you have him, and then you had, what, Blank Man come out two, two yeah. years or so later, and then you had... Eventually, it's all about really looking to see how far you get the blade. Yeah, and I feel like Media Man was kind of one of the first ones we saw. Mm -hmm. I remember it very, very... Vividly, because it was the first time I think I ever remember seeing a black person portrayed in that light as a superhero. And I thought it was pretty awesome. Yeah, for its time, yes. And it's still good to this day, to be honest with you. And then it took place in a borough that, like, a lot of people don't talk about. Washington, D.C. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody thinks of New York, Chicago. Uh, it's funny, though, Baltimore to an extent, too. But, you know, like... yeah. They don't talk it's, about Washington, D.C. Not nearly up. enough. But that is until we got uh, what's called over there messing things up. But, you know. Yeah, that's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and I make fun of him, too, because it's like one way or another. It's like, you, you ever see, like, uh, Roger Rabbit back in the day and it, like, had that villain in there who was a cartoon the whole time? Yes. We managed to get that in, in a public office. Yeah, pretty much. And I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember his name. Judge Doom. Oh. Yeah, Judge Doom. Yeah. yeah that he... was one scary motherfucker, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you're kind of right. It was very creepy for his time in terms of him saying, like, I, I remember vividly that ending part where he reveals himself to be a, a cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Re remember Eddie. 
when I killed your brother, I sat and it was a high pitched fucking voice. Oh, and then his eyes turned to daggers. I'm like, yeah, that was some scary shit, bro. That was kind of creepy. (laughs) (laughs) I remember remember that very vividly well. You'll never forget. It's one of them scenes that you will never forget. (laughs) So, so let me ask you this since you mentioned Roger Rabbit, would you ever want to do a movie like that in terms of animation mixed with real life? a la Space Jam or Roger Rabbit because I felt like that was the time like you had Roger Rabbit you had Cool World you had the Space Jam and then it kind of lead away from it well you see the problem with some of those movies are is based on like suspense and disbelief and then like the plot see at least with Roger Rabbit you know you had Who Framed Roger Rabbit tells you that on the 10 but and then you got Space Jam where it deals with you know a lot of us love Michael Jordan and him coming back to the game so they use that as a basis for that but if you got something like Rocky and Bullwinkle or you got something like um, well they're trying to do something with Tom and Jerry now but I'm like why (laughs) you know what I mean well they did Rocky and Bullwinkle didn't work I mean to a point it kind of if you get like if you watch the series they had those little in jokes but it was just like it wasn't stellar. It wasn't what it needed to be. Put it that yeah. way. Like, but I would love to do something like that. And then you got the happy town murders with the, with the puppets and stuff. And then I'm like, how are you guys not liking this film? It, it It's Muppets. I've never seen that one. Yeah. That is actually pretty good. It's not bad. Oh boy. But I, I was just sitting there thinking that, yeah, I would love to do something like that. Like, I love animation. Like, I have a huge animation collection, too. <laughs> I, I do, too. I, I have a, a lot of animation, to say the least. Hells, yeah. You got Animaniacs, man? I know you do. Come on. Yes, I do. Good man. I have Animaniacs. I have Tiny Toons. I have... Yes. It goes with a, a throwback people don't know about. A lot of people don't know about. I have Saber Riding the Star Sheriffs. What? Yes, I have Dungeons and Dragons. My dude. My dude. Yes. I have Captain N. I have a lot of a lot of DVDs. Wait, wait, Captain Men. He yes. came out? Captain N, yes. They have a Captain N DVD. Damn, I gotta go. I gotta get it. <laughs> it's, it's probably expensive now that I think about it now. Hey man, man, give me some hope here. Jesus. I bought it, I bought it years ago. It came out. I forget the name of the company. Uh-huh. It's the company that kind of puts out a whole bunch of old cartoon shows on DVDs. Oh, Shout Factory? Yes. There it is. There it is. On Shout Factory a few years a few years back, and I got Hell's yeah. Oh my god, that's great. Then that means that the Legend of Zelda one came out too. So I got I got to pick those up. I have that as well. Good man. How about He Man? I have He Man. I have the original He Man show. I don't have the new adventures of He Man. Add the hell with that man. That one sucks. But you know what? (laughs) (laughs) I'm saving you some time. Yeah. I I hated that when I was a kid. By the way, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Fantastic. I have that one and I have the 2012 reboot. Good man. (laughs) I have a huge collection of cartoons, like uh, literally a lot. Oh, man. See, there it is. Now I got to keep an eye for my competition. Mr. Delvin Cox, put him on the list. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be fighting on eBay in no time. (laughs) (laughs) So let me ask you this. Since since we talk about cartoons now. Oh, yeah. What were your favorite Black-centric cartoons in the 90s. Hmm. Because there was a lot more than, we, than people talk about. I remember Wayne Head was all right. Wayne Head's one. Mm-hmm. Kid and, and then Play. There was, yep. Oh, my God. You know some. 
I've been trying to look for some DVDs on that, and I've only found one episode on YouTube. And I was like, I did right. too. Yeah, I've only found that one episode. Mm-hmm. That's when they tried to do that clubbing and abandoned building. Yeah, I mostly find VHSs of Kid and Play. Mm-hmm. I mean, did anybody really like Hammerman? Let's just be real. Mm, did anybody really, really like? <laughs> not really. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought Hammerman was just really, really corny. Dancing shoes. Come on, yeah. man. Pro Stars was good. I like Pro Stars. That one was all right. Yeah, that one was all right. I'm trying to think of some more shows like that. Um, well, you know, the guy who did um the Proud Family, and I know that's out of our area, but he also did um Bebe's Kids back in the day, and I used to love that all the time because the artwork. Yeah, Bebe's Kids was fantastic. I used to love that movie. Robin Harris, excellent. Hell yeah, man. Cut off before his time. Way before his time. I, I just feel like it's there was a time where we get weird cartoon shows like that. Mm-hmm. Out of the blue, out of out of show out of movies and stuff that probably shouldn't have had cartoon shows like like for example, Kid and Play. House yeah. Party by no circumstances was a movie that was for kids. And yet we watched it as kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yet we watched it as kids, and they made a cartoon show about it. That's because Kid and Play were just so likable, man. Like, like the things that they would get into and all this stuff. And they even had them on there hosting a couple of cartoon blocks back in the day. So, I mean, you know, you, you could easily, like, approach them. And that was what was so cool about it. Yeah, I agree. Also, uh, I'm trying to think of some more. Static Shock was one that came out Static later. Static Shock later. is great. Great show. Mm-hmm. I think re- revolutionary for its time, and people don't talk about how that's kind of an extension of the Batman animated series universe. Because mm-hmm. one a long time ago it was Milestone Comics, and then Milestone didn't they get bought out by DC or something like that, and then they yes. just got integrated, yes, and then like so. play it, it actually works because Static does grow up to become part of the Justice League, so that's yes. just really awesome. The Milestone thing was kind of weird because when DC bought them. They were like, yeah, we're going to use Icon and we're going to use Static. We're not going to really use the rest of you guys, like Blood Syndicate and stuff like that. I used to read Milestone comics a lot when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, they, I really want to see Blood Syndicate on TV or something like that. Oh, man. Well, you know what? They've been kind of open about this kind of stuff now. I don't see why they couldn't do anything with them. You know what I mean? Things are not as censored as they used to be. They're getting away with a lot of stuff now. Yeah, I agree. So I I think that could work, <laughs> but um you know it, it ain't it's not any different than like say like when IDW buys out a small up and coming publisher or say like uh, Valiant Comics because there's quite a lot of people in Valiant they don't use a lot of people in Valiant they don't use which is which is sad because that's like that was like number four out of the comic industry is there I see most people talk about DC the the or Marvel they'll sometimes talk about Dark Horse due to Hellboy which by the way. We need a we need a Hellboy three, not not reboot Hellboy, but Hellboy three. You know, I've never seen the original Hellboy movies. Oh, dude, you got to! I saw the reboot, the reboot, and I was like, oh, hey man, <laughs> and Watch it's not it. it's not uh, what his name's fault. Oh no, no, it's not David Halbert's fault. It's who whoever wrote the script for that. I mean, more or less, it was just like they wanted to bring the Antichrist, and they needed Hellboy's genes to do it. <laughs> yeah. And then Lil Miller Jovis wanted to jump the bones. Yeah, that wasn't a good script at all. <laughs> like, nah. So let's talk about 
your other podcast that you do a number of podcasts and yeah, Twitch. Least, yeah. So yeah, that's true. I'll let you pick which one you want to talk about next. Well, let's see. I can talk about like um them in one sentence. Let's see. The mini bites, which is me talking about real world stuff from one to from like 10 to 15 minutes. And then, of course, you know, there's the crossover show that's coming soon, which we're doing right now. I get to go ahead and have a panel with you guys and we talk about things for at least an hour or two. And then there's J360 Jams, which is the music party show that comes every other week. And that usually lasts for about two hours or so. Okay. And then, of course, um, what? Let us know about that music party show. I, I asked this for a reason. Okay. Tell us a little bit more about this show. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where I go ahead and I show a spotlight on indie musicians that are up and coming and help them get where they need to be. Like I said, I'm building a community for everybody. So that actually works with the uh, musical artists out here because they put a lot into their work, just like filmmakers, podcasters, and so on. So if anything, we should help give them a leg up. You know what I mean? Funny you should mention that. I said this for, for a specific reason because one, I know a rapper who would be great on this. Oh, yeah? Yes. And two, I know a DJ who would be great on this. Okay. The rapper, his name is Vision. He's a rapper. I, I mean, and him grew up together. And a DJ, right. I actually do a podcast with called I'm the Podcast. He's the DJ. His name's Tim Hines. He DJs every Tuesday on Twitch. And he's very good nice. DJ. DJs house music and stuff like that. He's really good. I think, think you guys should get together and do something together. I think that'd be cool. That'll be all right, man, because I'm open. Like, I don't keep it to one genre specific, right? I'm like, doesn't like, you know what? In a music store, you can do that. But for here, this is the party. I want everybody at front and center. Come on, let's go. You know what I'm saying? I agree. I agree. I think that's dope. I, I like the fact that you're ambitious and that you kind of have your hands into a lot of different things, but you seem to have a good handle on it. Thank you. There go my phone. Damn this thing. <laughs> I can't course. win. I can't win. I was like, Jesus Christ. That's your trademark. You know it, man. So, tell me a little bit about your Twitch channel, because I know you do Twitch as well. Okay, well, that is the start of J360 TV you're seeing there. You're going to be seeing some video footage of uh, me and the crew doing some antic stuff now and again. But you'll also be seeing, like, um, what I told you about the documentary and the uh, and some of the short films we make. You know, go ahead and give them some press right there. Show them to you guys live. And then in addition to, they'll be sent over to YouTube because Twitch won't let you have, like, you know, take up their space and stuff, not unless you're, like, a partner or whatever. So I'm like, eh, why wait on that? We'll just use it in conjunction with the YouTube channel. But the but the serial that I have on there right now is called the J360 Power Play, where I play through multiple different retro games and some new releases, but mostly retro gaming because I have a list of games that I still have yet to beat. I like I like the idea. I like the concept of it. What oh, what games you have have yet to beat? It's, oh, you got to talk show for that. And what what, what, <laughs> what what are we playing? Are we playing on PlayStation, Xbox? Which one are we what are we rocking with right now? Well, multiple systems always. But what uh, what we're doing right now is we're handling Bioshock on the PS4. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did, Try did, to get through the whole adventure. Did you get a chance to get a PS5 yet? Nah, bro. Matter of fact, like like I said, when I got all that stuff to play, I really don't see myself upgrading. Not yet until April. Plus, I want to see like how many people's uh, launch consoles actually survive. You know what I'm saying? Now they all have problems with them and stuff. Yeah, that's a fact, man. That seems to always happen. You get like 
10% of the console acting funny and funky. Mm-hmm. And then, like, yeah, y'all was ahead of the game for a little bit, but look at you. $500 out, are we? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I and then, like, all the rat racing they did to pre-order. Like, I'm not angry if you pre-order or anybody else does, but I always look at them like, I can wait. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they're going to redesign the stuff anyway. Yeah, that's always been a thing. They're going to redesign it, make it bigger, faster, better, quicker. Or in this mm-hmm. case, smaller. Oh, yeah. PlayStation's, the new PlayStation 5 is huge. It's like, yeah. yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> it's really big. And you see like how many people like just try to p- put it in spots where it's not supposed to be, and it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that as well. Mm. So let me ask you this. Who are some creators that you want to collaborate with? Well, let's see. Who haven't I met up with yet? Um, Dang. Because for a while there, I had top five where it was you, Rob, beat him down from Colt 45. Okay. And, um, God, what were the, see, the other two were very important because I can't think of them now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so important. You forgot. Yeah. Right? Um, shoot. I think one of them doesn't even have a show anymore, but, um, God, I can't think of the other two, man. Buzz is gone. <laughs> I think the three you named are pretty solid people. That's because you yeah, one, because one was you, right? Damn right. <laughs> there it is. See, there it is. But that, see, and the thing is, that's why I'm creating the crossover show because I'm like, you know what? I met a lot of you guys too, and hey, I'm not, I'm not just doing the Spider-Man thing. I got to do a Marvel team-up thing too. So th- that's what it's gonna be. Yeah, eventually you have to come together. I think that's something I always preach with creators in general. And I like to see more black creators is that we'd be able to come together and form our adventures and not only not just have our own clicks, but have other clicks that we connect with and build our community. Because the more we work together, the more we build, the bigger we really can be, the bigger our audiences can be, and we all can grow together and be successful. I think that's what I love about podcasting the most, watching communities grow and get bigger and seeing people that I know well, I've helped grow, meet other people that I've helped grow, and they do that thing together without me. And like, hey, let's bring Delph back in. I think that's so dope to see people get together that I, I know tangentially, I know very well, and do their own thing together. I, I find it awesome. Of course. You got to do that, man. Like, and, and then the best part about all that stuff is, is being humble. Like, you really got to be humble, too. Yeah. You know, because, see, some people, they, they – Get that little attention, get that little money coming in from Patreon that they don't report on their taxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden they think they're bigger than everybody. Yeah, that's a that's a real thing. Yeah, and, I mean, it's just like you gotta be humble. Yeah, and I think we're in an interesting time now because podcast is probably bigger than it's ever been before. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are trying to get into the podcasting game and do their thing, and that's cool. I I appreciate people doing that and seeing it but we also have to learn that this is not easy this takes work and time and effort oh yeah just like a filmmaker i'm quite sure it takes work time and effort getting that crew together and do what you got to do indeed and you gotta you gotta pitch your story out and then chances are you get hit with the big r reject like rejection pop up right everywhere and all that stuff and i feel sorry for anybody that can't handle it man because that's like your first lesson (laughs) 
<laughs> so let me ask you this. How have you been able to deal with and handle the rejection in terms of that? Because that seems like something that, while it's hard, it seems like it's something that you have to learn how to cope with and deal with to become better. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, like so many of my ideas, like when I pitched them to other people, like they would slap it down. They wouldn't want to hear it or any anything. And you see, the thing is, I had to keep carrying on with it. It's like playing baseball. You know, you got to figure this. Like all the uh, major hitters that we know about, like Frank Thomas, like he was known as the big hurt because of all the many times that he would do grand slams and stuff. But he also struck out a bunch of times, too. So you got to figure this. But he kept playing, right? So you got to keep playing. That's just the way it is. Give him another story. You should always have like at least two to three stories in your head because that first one might fail. So give him another one. You got to keep playing the game. I like that idea. I like that advice to give the people. So Mm -hmm. let's hear some more advice. Let's give me three things you recommend for anybody who wants to get in filmmaking to do. Okay, well, I recommend them to go ahead and take a look at some movies that they like and then look at some movies that they don't like and then see like how you could fix that movie. So while you think about why you can, how you can fix that movie, start writing down little notes and then you take a look at those notes and you start turning them into stories. And then when you turn them into stories, make sure you get like at least enough because how many pages you have is one minute worth of screen time. So say like if you have like 10 pages, that's 10 minutes of screen time, 15, so on, things like that. Start small and go ahead and get your skill set up. Take a look at like how different shots are made. Then you start getting technical as you start, you know, building your skill set up and talk to a few of your friends there too. And then after a while, when you work that stuff out, you got a little crew there, but at the same time, your friends can also hold you back. So you got to be open to meeting other people that are serious about it. So volunteer at like um, theater programs and all, like really get out there. It's a process. You got to roll with it. Failures too. But you only really fail when you quit, you know. Uh, Dev, you there? Yeah, I'm still here. I said that's really good advice. That's (laughs) perfect advice for somebody to take and to learn off of and build their career off of, I think, honestly. Yeah. I mean, and then at the same time, don't be a dictator. <laughs> yeah. Don't be that director. Like, there's plenty of time to do that Mick G crap. <laughs> but you do it like when you're at the gym or you're boxing or something like that. And if and if anything, find a hobby that gets you away from it if it's really stressful. You know what I mean? Like, play a little pool, but don't hustle. You know, things like that. Yeah. Play video games. Come up with some ideas. And then, you know, there are ways to do these things. You got to always be uh, taking care of yourself, too. Because if it doesn't come together at that time, it'll come together at another time. Who is your dream artist to work with in terms of movies? Mm. Act with actors, directors, whoever you want to pick. That's why I said artists in general. I don't want to just limit you just to actors. Oh no, no, you're good. You're good. I'm just trying to go through the the book because quite a lot of surprising people have passed on. And this year alone, so I can't I can't use him, but I know that there's other actors out there I would like to like to work with. You know, honestly, I wouldn't mind working with um God. The man who played as Mordo and um 
Doctor Strange. I'm sure we can make a couple of. Questions. I know his name, but I cannot pronounce it at all. It's Chief Ford something. Echo Ford or something like that. I can't remember. I can't pronounce it. Yeah, I, it's I like, but I definitely would love to work with him. He's a really good actor. And then Michael B. Jordan, yeah, he would be great to work with. Of course, he's about to do his own thing, so I'm going to have to really work on some leverage to get to that level. But, <laughs> you know, like, if anything, like, you know, any of them guys from Stomp the Yard or any black film you've ever seen, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. you'll see about the most of them in here, but you'll never see them again unless you get, you know, handpicked and so that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You have talent here. Oh, and Megan Good, by the way. Oh, that's Come on, choice. man. How, how could you not work with Megan Good? I mean, let's just be real. That's a good choice. Indeed. See, I'm not sure I'd be crazy because I want to know how to pronounce this guy's name. Let's see. Chia, Chia, I cannot. I cannot pronounce this guy's name for, for nothing. Google it. Chia Tell Ekafor. If I'm, if I'm pronouncing it right. Well, yeah, let's just call it Ekafor right there. You know, it <laughs> just take a little time. Yeah. Yeah, Wait. work with Mr. Ekafor. That would be great. Because he was in 12 Years a Slave, and he was also um, the voice of Scar in the uh, Lion King reboot that they did. Which, yeah, I which honestly, it's pretty good. It has its moments where you're like, ah, come on, man. I like the animation one better. But other than that, though, it really held its own. I enjoyed it. I had to check that one out. We, me and my daughter just watched the Mulan one. Hey, how'd that go? Oh, she was not a fan. Mm. And it's not that it's a bad movie. And I think I agree with on this. It's just generic because all the heart and fun of Mulan was in the songs and the music and the new and stuff like that. And when you oh take, yeah, when you take those characters out of Mulan, it doesn't have the same amount of heart. That makes sense. So I mean, it does like a generic action movie, which is fine. But I mean, you fun. know, when you got when you got one of those kind of movies that, uh, like, like say, like you love the earlier version, but then this is supposed to be the bigger, better reboot. <laughs> yeah, and it just it just didn't work because it just didn't have that appeal. Yeah, I think that's kind of what it is. And the funny thing about it is, we felt the opposite about Aladdin. Really? Like, me and her watched Aladdin together. She loved Aladdin. I mean, to the point where she's like, the cartoon one and this one are both worth seeing because they're both very different and both very entertaining. Like, Will Smith is great as a genie. Yeah, I, I don't know why everybody was pissed at him. I was like, yo, it's, he's doing a great job. He's he's fanta- had- fantastic as a genie, and it's a different take on that. Nothing like Robin Williams' take. Yeah, it didn't need to be. Like it was, it was awesome to me. I loved the Aladdin movie. Yeah, it was really good, and she she enjoyed the heck out of it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. I didn't think I was gonna like it, but then all of a sudden it charmed you. The only problem I had with a with Aladdin though was um, Jafar seemed a lot more passive aggressive than ambitious. If you think about it, I, I agree he, with that. He he was kind of like if you ever look at the the well, you've seen the Disney movie. That man was crazy. Yes. He was gonna have it his way or no way. But in this one, he's like, mm, I see you, Aladdin. I know you're not really who you are. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I, I like a lot of, I like the changes that this movie made, Aladdin made for the live action. A mm-hmm. lot. 
like the whole thing where the princess is the princess and they're kind of like, well, at the end, she's pretty much the queen. Yeah. I'm like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that that was totally on point. And she could sing. Like, I, I didn't have a problem with that. You ever meet, like, some people that cast those uh ones in singing roles and they can't sing for shit? <laughs> Yo, that's, that is a lot of movies. <laughs> you know, like, a uh. lot of movies. Where I'm it's like, a- yeah, you probably should have cast somebody who can sing. Mm-hmm. Oh, which, by the way, the ones that are really mad, they're mad about that old Little Mermaid thing, too. I was like, really? The girl can sing. Let her sing. I forgot that was a thing. I legit oh. forgot that that's I I, I want to say I forgot because of the pandemic and so much stuff has got pushed back now I don't even know what's coming out and when it's coming out journals brother yeah, <laughs> that's like, always like because um they just announced I want to say today or yesterday that Wonder Woman is now going to come to theaters and um HBO Max on Christmas Day. Well, see, that's interesting, but how many people are actually going to go to the movies on Christmas Day? That's the thing. I mean, there are people that do, but they never said anything about no openings for theaters. Yeah. I, so that's that's interesting to me. But put it on HBO Max, uh, it could work. At least VOD's exploding. Well, it, yeah, that, that definitely exploded. In Miami, where I'm at, you can go to the theaters, but people, what people are doing who go, Mm-hmm. They're renting out the whole theater because you can rent out a whole theater now for like $150. <laughs> nice. And just have the theater to yourself and see what you want to see, I guess, like... Because I was thinking about doing is actually like taking me and me and my kids and a couple of people and going to see Tenet that way. Oh, okay. But people said Tenet is horrible, so I'm not going to see it. Hey, it... Okay, look. It's Christopher Nolan's latest, right? Yes. The man already blew you away with Inception. Just give this a chance. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a good point. Oh, I mean, that's just the way it goes. It's like, come on, man. It's like when everybody was mad at the village, like when M. Night Shyamalan did it. And I was like, come on. He already blew you away with, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I-, I wasn't mad at the village. I thought it was just an okay movie. People were like, oh, it's the worst movie. I was like, it's okay. Well, that's because the the uh, twist was predictable. I mean, you knew it was the people eating other people. Yeah, that's just the way it is. I spoilers, mean, like spoilers for the village for those who didn't know. Come on, but yeah. look, the movie been out for well over six years. I'm sure they can handle it. <laughs> yeah. Deal with it. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> hey, let me let me help him out with another one. Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. There you go. <laughs> yeah, you happy? Go on now. Your mind blown? Oh my God! And Leia's a sister. And they and they tongue kissed and Empire Strikes Back. The Force is a troll. There yeah, you go. That actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> there you that, go. that was actually a thing. <laughs> and, and by the way, the sequel trilogy wasn't going to explain anything except you paying in. That's it, and you don't get no receipt on it. No yeah. payoff at all. In retrospect, that's kind of what happened. Yes, <laughs> like, they open up a whole bunch of plot threads. You damn right, sir. And <laughs> so many a, questions. And didn't close a single damn one of them. <laughs> Not at all. Oh, uh, uh, see that that's how that's why I love the sequel trilogy. Because the whole damn thing was uh, <laughs> was fucked up. But I hate the sequel trilogy because it exists. See things like that. Yeah. And it's funny because I just got off an episode talking about this exact same thing, but how much I because I love the Force Awakenings. 
me, like, it's like one of my favorite Star Wars movies. That's how much I love The First Awakenings. But I mean, it started off strong, but go on. But The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, I dislike so much. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. I went from right. love to, especially Last Jedi. I hate The Last Jedi. <laughs> I cannot stand that movie. And I own two copies of the movie somehow. I know, right? I'm the same way with Ghost Rider too. But go on. Yeah, and it's just it. It. I won't say it killed my love for Star Wars, but I will say this: when I after the movies, the Star Wars, the I guess called the Skywalker trilogy. Mm-hmm. After that ended, and you see people who are in the movie come out and kind of say say and not say yeah this movie was trash we didn't like it i, I feel justified <laughs> like um finn came out his name not finn yeah john boyega john came boyega out and said all that kind of said like yeah i did not like the last jedi i didn't like how they treated us they minimized our roles like mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i'm like yeah i felt the oh. exact same way <laughs> homeboy didn't care at all matter of fact he he left the script out in his hotel room. He didn't even care. Yeah, I don't. That is him. that is awesome. I was like, yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna burn a bridge with Lucas Films, you might as well do it that way. Yeah, I don't blame him. He, yeah. he wasn't, it wasn't like it was in the fucking movie, right? <laughs> what are they gonna read? His right. five lines from the Last Jedi. Fuck off. <laughs> right. I hated that movie so much. Oh, uh, them, them movie. Oh my god! Like <laughs> this sequel trilogy. Every time I look at it being over there, I'm like, you know what? Let me get some scissors. Yeah, help you all out because the movie ended as soon as they had that celebration on indoor. Anything else is just DLC. Just take yeah. a look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's perfect. That's perfect in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. Oh man, that was so. So depressing. <laughs> oh my god, it was. I mean, you know, Trevor Vo, the guy who does uh Jurassic World. Yes. He actually talked about the notes that he had. I and saw then, like, that. All that stuff was actually like, oh my god, right here. Why didn't you listen to him? Way better. His notes for the last people who are listening to this episode. Go look up his notes for the last Jedi. I think it's Colin Trevorrow. Mm, and it was called Duel of Fates. Yes. That was so... It, it, it sells right there. It was so much better than what The Last Jedi was. In terms of, like, you get the fight with the Knights of Ren. You get everything that you were looking for in this movie. It was all set up right there. Like, just right there. But, uh well, you, you can't do a Snyder cut to that. So, let's just be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Oh God! And then, like, pissed off all the three main actors, so they don't want to deal with it no more. <laughs> yeah, which is baffling to me. Mm. That's that's how you know. Uh, see this right here. This this is major filmmaking right there. That's once again too many cooks in the kitchen just messing that whole thing up. And the same thing could be for the original cut of Justice League too, or if you really want to go back, BVS. Yeah, that's accurate. Mm. Too many but cooks I- in the kitchen. And to be honest with you, though, I did like uh, Ben Affleck as Batman. I'll never understand that. You know, I'll never understand people's hate on that. I, I did, too. I think I want to see more of that Batman. I hate the fact that, yeah, we're going to get the Snyder Cup. It doesn't seem like, well, maybe we will, but we're not going to see enough. It's, it's un, It sucks that we're not going to get a Ben Affleck 
Batman film. That's what I'll say about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's it was right there, right for the taking. I, I'm just like, come on, man. Like, I don't know whether it's the hate from the fans or was it the hate from the people in the studio, but somebody over there should have got fired before Ben decided to leave. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I would really want to see his take on in terms of a full fledged. Batman film and where he was going to take it in terms of how dark he would get with it. I was interested in that aspect of I know people are like, oh, Batman's killing. I'm like, I don't care at this point. <laughs> I get Shoot. that Batman's no killing rule <clears throat> the thing, but let's be honest. In the movies, he's been kind of fast and loose with that rule. So it's like, all right, let's see what this Ben Affleck version does. Right. I mean, but then, then, then they have not seen in Batman 1989 where he was dropping them down left and right, right? And throwing them out. Like, one way or another, yeah, he didn't technically kill him, but the fall did, right? Do you see yes. things like that? But, yes. but then and in Batman Returns, there was a bomb scene where he grabbed, took the explosive, put it on the crook. Yeah. Straight like, up killed that guy. Like, if anything, it, it, there's open holes to that whole no-killing rule. If anything, that stuff... It's enforced highly now, but back in the day, it was very loose. <laughs> Movie-wise, it's very loose. I, 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 in comics, it's a little less loose. Well, at least modern comics, because the old, the, the, the old age Batman comics, he was straight up killing and not. Oh yeah. In fact, Joker, he, the first appearance of Joker, I think Joker died in that first appearance. Didn't Batman he straight up, yeah. Batman straight up killed him in that first appearance of Joker. <laughs> and they just like, no, we like this character a lot. Let's bring him back. Well, that's the thing about comics, man. You know, <laughs> like Norman should have been dead for many years, but he still just comes back to haunt Peter's life. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> man, this has been a blast, brother. You know it, man. Hey, I always, I always bring the party to you guys. Similar like how Mr. Stark does. <laughs> I, agree. I agree. That's the perfect way to end this episode. Let him know yeah. where to find you at brother. Well, you see, as I am working on things, you can find me at J360Productions.com or you can go and talk to me on Twitter at J360Productions. If it's J360Productions, that's usually me. So you can find me anywhere with that. Awesome, awesome. Where can they find any of your short films if anything they want to check out your work? Okay, well, let's see. I don't have the link for the YouTube channel yet. I still got to get my 100 subscribers. By the way, subscribe to me. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. And then um, if you want to find those things, you can go on twitch.tv slash j360tv and then of course you know i also have a flow page which is flow.page slash j360productions and you can see all my links right there including the podcast i like it i like it a lot mm-hmm. all right thank you for coming on brother no and problem as, man and as always delvin cox experience we are out peace thank you for listening to another episode of the delvin cox experience if you like this content go on patreon.com slash Delvin Cox Experience. There, we have exclusive shows such as I'm the Podcaster, He's the DJ, and Fire Brigade, and we have tons of other content. Also, I'd like to give a special shout out to our Patreon producers, Tony Aaron II from Mystery Dinner Productions, as well as Ben Goodwin, a.k.a. Ghost Rider UK. Thank you. Peace.